Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Recording, we're recording. Yeah. All right. Hi, Vaughn. Oh my goodness, Avrin. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Oh, hello, everyone. I'm Vanya, your co host. And I'm Avrin, your other co host of, of Wrong Crime. crime. <laughs> this is our true crime comedy podcast that has romantic elements. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because here's the thing. I, Vanya, am a person who is I'm just a little terrified of life and scared of everything. So I'm the rom. I like I love romantic stuff, but <laughs> I also want to learn and be able to, you know, understand the other side of life, which is the dark side. And I'm Avrin. Yeah. I guess that makes me the dark side of life. It's a, you know what though? I'm just a true crime obsessed person. Oh, you're sweet. I think you're the light. I think you're lighter because you're you're interested, and I'm like dark because I'm scared. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> we're both. Guess what? We're both dark and white. We're, we're both black, black and white. We're, All of it. Yeah, we're complex individuals. We're multi layered. Yeah. But I definitely, I guess, in our little duo here, I'm I'm the crime. Yeah. I'm true crime obsessed. Have been for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I I just love this shit. Exactly. And she's <laughs> going. She's. Avril's going to be my Sherpa on the true crime journey yeah. while we go through some romantic crimes or romantic motivated crimes. Right. Or criminals who commit crimes or yeah. we're going to, we'll twist it to make it work. You know what? <laughs> because I'm going to find the light in it. Don't you worry. You're going to find the light and I'm going to lead you down the dark path where together we'll hopefully find something. If we're holding light. hands, I'll be okay. <laughs> so I think one of the, you know, Things that is true about maybe why true crime stories scare you is that the most prevalent stories in society most often are crimes committed against women. Absolutely. And that is true in reality as well, not just in the things we read about or see on the news or hear about. So I thought that basically instead of starting with a crime that, well, there are two victims in this story, but this is a true crime story that, if we're being honest, is every man's worst fucking nightmare and the main element the main crime that the story is about could not happen to a woman so i thought i'd ease you in all right let's do it so today vaughn we are going to tell the story of john and lorena bobbitt oh my goodness i know about that i do i bought that one i have heard about that one i remember being in like school and hearing about some lady cut this guy's Wiener off. Yeah, Lorena Bobbitt. And I love that it sounds like what she did. Like, yeah. 
She bobbed it. She bobbed it. it. She bobbed it. <laughs> and you know, it's not nice to make light of man having his penis cut off, but... But maybe in this case, not necessarily the wrong move. Here's the but thing. But let's get into that. It's true, because, you know, the research is doesn't make you feel too bad for him. No, not even a little bit. And some might say that's because we're women yeah, and we couldn't possibly true. understand what... It means to have your penis cut off, that is true. which is accurate. I don't understand, but That's I will true. say after everything that I have learned, yeah. I mean, I get it. Yes. I get it. And so Lorena Bobbitt was born in 1970 in Ecuador. Yes. And then she and her family eventually moved to Venezuela. And I know that one of her biggest dreams, so she didn't come from a wealthy family in any sense of the word. And quinceañeras are really big yes, there, and they absolutely. couldn't afford to to throw her a huge party. So oh. all she she had they had some family that lived in D.C. in the U.S. So she said that all she wanted for her quinceañera was to get to go on a trip to the U.S. And that's when her kind of dreams of eventually moving to the United States oh. took took hold of her. Okay. So she does eventually make that move to the U.S. And um, she is living in Virginia with some family. I think a cousin. Okay. Some family friends. And she's very quiet, but very pretty. Um, she does not speak English well. She, I watched that um, four-part documentary series called Lorena on Amazon. Good stuff. Watch it. I haven't watched it, it is, yet, but I know. I've it's heard so, so many good. good things. It's so, so good. In fact, I will just say right off the bat... All of my information comes from that. <laughs> All of it. I mean, I have some shoddy information. I mean, on the I Wikipedia but... stuff too, but um, but like all of my information really does come I, from this. I trust their researchers, and it is so well done. So she moves to the U.S. She talks about how she learned to speak English watching like soap operas and The Price Is Right. Oh wow! And uh, you know, she has she's a romantic at heart. So she goes out with her cousins and friends, and she's always kind of the quiet one. And then one day when she's out and about, they go to this like marine, this bar where Marines hang out. Okay. And there she meets John Wayne Bobbitt. Okay. And I didn't mean that was dripping with so much sarcasm. I'm sorry. It's I just, okay. Sometimes I have to wonder like why, why John Wayne? I mean, I just feel like that already tells you what his parents. Like they wanted an inflated sense. You're a man. You're going to be a hard on walking around. That's right. You are the ultimate male, John <laughs> Wayne Bobbitt. <laughs> but anyway, she meets John Wayne Bobbitt, and um, they just fall for each other. Really? And I think they actually, maybe I'm, I think I'm wrong. They didn't meet at a bar. They met at a ball. Oh. So it was a, a corporal Marine ball oh. that she was taken to with some friends. He was there. So he is in his uniform, looking dapper. looking dapper. And I won't lie, part of the reason any of us know who John and Lorena were are because they were a very good looking couple. Interesting. And we know that, you know, the media tends to really just grab hold yeah, of. Yeah, they're like, look at these beautiful people who seem like they had it all together, then, but they didn't. And then look at what went down. Yeah. So but she's they, young, right? She's like, very young. She's nine, 18 or 19 years old when they yeah. meet. They only date for 10 months. Wow. And they get married. I mean, my parents only dated for like three months. And my they parents got only dated for six months. And they're still married. My parents so are, are like over 40 years. My parents are going to have their 40th this year. Oh, that's And so it's funny. wild because they, my in to be honest, my parents were friends before they ever started dating. They worked together. Oh, yeah. It's weird. I just said that and I realized it's the exact same story of me and my husband. <gasps> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> we knew each other, worked together, 
and then ended up getting married. Oh, yeah. But knew each other a long time before we dated. Oh, my gosh. How weird. Yeah. I never actually put that together before. Romantic. This is a romantic this podcast, is why this guys. This is romantic. Just kidding. <laughs> it's, Someone's it's, penis gets up, cut off in this yeah. episode. Hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Here's for hoping. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Emoji pray hands. That's okay, right. But <laughs> so anyway, sorry, sidetrack. So they only date for a very short period of time, and they're both very young. I also believe right. he's pretty young, too. Oh, okay. They're about the same age. So he may be a, is a year or two older than her, but mm. he's in the Marines. She is new to the States. They meet at this um, like Marine ball. Right. They fall head over heels in love. And in uh, June of 1989, they get married. And Lorena is a virgin when they get married. Oh. She's incredibly inexperienced. All of her friends and family basically say that he was her first ever boyfriend, her first love. And then she even still describes him that way. And he was the, he was my first love. And that, as we all know, if you've had a first love is something that you always carry with you. It's true. It's Um, like not even, it's not just love. It's like infatuation. Yeah. And it's the first time your heart's ever really felt that way. And when it was reciprocated and all that stuff, it's wild and it's intense. And And then add sex to that, then your whole, right. Yeah. Your whole world is blown. But anyway, they get married and basically pretty shortly afterwards, he just completely changes on her. She tells the story in this documentary that I watched about how she goes out with him and his brother to a bar and the two boys get incredibly drunk and in the car ride home, he makes some crack at her and she gets offended and kind of upset and starts to kind of cry a little bit and he like hits her in the (gasps) car in front of his brother and tells her to like stop being such a baby and all this stuff. And she said from then on, everything changed. Oh he my gosh. became this incredibly volatile, abu- like emotionally, ew. physically, and sexually abusive husband. Ew, ew. Do you remember that? That reminds me of that movie. Um, it was like a long, long time ago. It was when Leonardo DiCaprio was like a little, like a child actor still maybe. Oh, uh, it's called This Boy's Life. And De Niro, De Niro played like Denario. De Niro. De Niro. The father of Leonardo DiCaprio. No, he's like, so she's a step, like his mother is, you know, he's a single mother and she meets a guy from Washington State okay. playing from Robert De Niro's the character. And it's like, he seems like a great guy, you know, just a great guy. Right. And then they get married, and it's, like, not that way. I just remember being probably too young to watch this, but there right. was, like, a scene where they're, like, supposed to be having... It might have been the wedding night or something, I think, and they're supposed to be having this beautiful sexual moment or, you know, like, loving sexual moment, and he basically turns her around and shoves her face down into a pillow and, like, has sex with her <gasps> from behind. And oh, basically, so and like that just quickly. Like sets the tone for how awful he, he is, is going to be. Yeah. Oh my god, that's but, horrible! But that happens, oh, right? No, I know. Like, well, it's so funny. Like if I, I mean, I guess funny I mean, maybe isn't the right word for it. But whenever I, if I think about a movie that introduced me to the concept of domestic violence of a, a husband yeah. hurting his wife, it was Sleeping with the Enemy with oh Julia Roberts. Did you ever see that one? No, because my parents were like, no rated R movies. <laughs> Until oh. I was like really late, late. My in the game. mom actually bought me and Sheltered. friends tickets to see Speed in theaters when it came out. So I was thirteen. Oh, you're so went, lucky. bought a ticket for herself, walked us into the theater, and then left because she had already seen it. 
but that was the only way we could get in. That's amazing. Betsy, you're the best. Yeah, you're the best, um, Betsy. But so R-rated movies were a big part of my yeah, childhood. I wish they were. Same with Adam. It might also explain a lot about my fascination with true crime because I was exposed to things. But you're also an actor and like a, you know, you're a creative artist. Right. So like there's a reason you're, you're interested in story too. Maybe you've been able to see cool stories. Right, for a very long time. And there's a reason I'm obsessed with romantic comedies and like ch- chill, like cartoons because I wasn't. <laughs> Well, Anyways, hey, they're but, they're both awesome forms of art, but I will say, so Sleeping with the yeah, Enemy, now, me, now that you're grown, you should check it out. <laughs> I'm ready. So I'm ready, it's everybody. Julia Roberts. It's definitely post-Pretty Woman, but not too post. Okay. She's still super young. It might have even been like the very next movie she did. Oh, wow. But it's basically the story of a young Julia Roberts, and she is married to this Definitely, I'm, I can't remember who the actor was, but he was much older than her gotcha. and a very distinguished person, very wealthy. They live in this crazy, beautiful beach house right um, right on the water, and they seem to have this perfect marriage, but behind closed doors, he is incredibly violent and abusive towards her, mm. and he's one of those like sick sick fucks it's like super OCD one of the things the movie kind of points out as you're yeah. watching and it definitely sets up the scariest moment of the movie but one of the times where Spoiler he alert. where he where he starts to beat her oh. is he comes home and he's he is obsessed with everything in the cabinets have to be facing forward organized by like alphabetically I mean yeah. just insane impossible standards yeah and so she eventually fakes her own death gets away from him and I don't know how he figures it out, but at some point in the movie, he's able to piece together that she didn't actually die. I think they go out on a boat or whatever, and she pretends to fall off, but she has a whole plan. Gets away, wow. starts this new cute life in this like charming little town somewhere. I feel like maybe Maine, but I'm just it saying right. that. It felt right. It it's feels very, like it could be Maine. Yeah. So she's started this new life. She's even started seeing this like very kind super non-aggressive theater professor. There's like an awesome montage, Vaughn. You would love this because we're also both theater kids. But they do this whole montage, very Pretty Woman-esque, backstage, like trying on all the costumes and like dancing around with like the lighting equipment. Oh my God. So there's enough, there's some drama in there for you. But then he, the way that she finds out and the audience finds out that her husband has found her. Yes. So she comes home to her cute little house and she goes in the kitchen and she opens the cabinets and everything in because they even make a point when she gets away to show her like knocking one of the cans of food over yeah. to be like, I'm She's free. Messy. I'm free and I don't have to have this perfect. Yeah. She opens it and everything has been alphabetized and like facing forward and Ew. organized. And the audience along with her is like, because <gasps> he's found her and he has. And oh then God. it's just just watch it. Everybody I'll who hasn't it. seen it, watch it. And it's I mean, a it's a it's a good one if you like a thriller. It is also, I think, I mean, no, I haven't seen it recently enough to actually say that it's also maybe like a good portrayal of how important it is for for people in yeah. domestic violence situations to yeah. be able to get out well, safely. Yeah. I mean, and there are there are um, hotlines and numbers and stuff like people can absolutely. Call, and at know. the end of this episode, we will a hundred percent. Yeah, we will throw out the website and phone numbers for the right. domestic abuse hotline because, because that's important and it's such a big part of this story. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that's so crazy about this story. So yeah. back when this all went down in 1993, uh-huh. the it was a sensational tabloid story because. Right. What? 
I she mean, it's cut pretty off crazy. his penis. No, yeah. and it is. And I'm sure in the grand scheme of like the world, it's not the first time that this happened, but in the world of like 24-hour news yeah. media, and also think early 90s, this was like inside edition, hard copy. Geraldo. Geraldo. You know? Mm-hmm. Jerry so Springer. all of it. So tabloid news stories were the news of yeah. the day, and this was the freakiest, craziest, most outlandish story out there. So I think what's so sad about it, when you go back and you kind of re-watch this all happen, yeah. that the point that was kind of utterly missed in the moment was that this was a, a, a victim of domestic abuse yes. who had suffered for so long under the hands of her husband that she eventually snapped. And, yeah. you know, there's only so many, there's only so much a person can take before, yeah. you know, Is it when the noodles fall off the plate to quote somebody from the documentary. I love it. But what, um, when did, cause it used to be legal for a, hu- for a husband to rape a ra- or, you know, it, right. did, there was it no wasn't such rape. Thing. It wasn't called rape. Like if you maritable, were marital rape didn't exist before the 1970s okay. in this country. So, and but even it did then, exist when she was, yeah. It did exist. But even then, amen- like there was all kinds of amendments that were being made to the law up until the mid nineties. Like one of them was it's, you can have marital rape, but only if the husband and wife don't live in the same house anymore. And one of the things that I think... That's crazy. Up into the 90s? Yeah, they were still amending that stuff. Up until uh, the mid-90s where it was kind of the law, I think, This was, is crazy. Like, honestly, if is, you don't need to get married, don't get married. Just live with your partner because... Seriously. Marriage is a financial... Com- marriage. Yeah, you will, you'll, and after seven years, you'll still get the tax breaks. Yeah. Even though I love my husband and I'm very happy to be married to him. Yeah, no, me too. But I, I'm just I don't saying, know. I'm like, just when, saying. You, when you hear this stuff, it's just, I don't know. For me, everything I knew about this case before we decided this would be our first story, right. and I was like, well, let me research it, yeah. was this is the crazy story about a woman who chopped off her husband's yeah. penis. With a knife? With a knife. It? With yeah. an eight inch knife. Wow. And um could have been sharp too. Oh yeah. They, they say it was I'm like surgical. No, they say it was like surgical precision. So basically what happened was Oh, that's so cool. He came home after being out with a friend who was also subsequently sleeping on their couch that night, which is a weird detail that oh, I didn't know about. Yeah. So he says that he like felt her he said he thought she was like trying to come on to him sexually. But she was not. She uh-uh. was she was trying to get everything in in the right place to yeah. the thing. Um, but basically, he was asleep when it happened, and because he was intoxicated, it actually he laid in bed after it happened for a, like not a super long time, but longer than one might oh, that's if they were so like with upsetting. it. And so she cuts it off, panics obviously, and leaves the house, grabs the car keys. And the penis and gets in the car. Oh, my God. And this is one of those things that's (gasps) like, this is why it was such tabloid fodder. So she gets in the car with the penis. She's driving. She's panicking. She doesn't know what to do. She um, goes towards where she works. She worked at a nail salon at the time. And she is just like totally freaking out. And she realizes that she's like, I'm going to put some nails on it. She's not kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Keep going. She's like, I'm going to. I'm going to totally bling this out. Um, We're going to be dazzling. No. So then she's like, she's fully freaking out and then realizes that she's not even really driving straight because she's got this in her hand. So as she's driving down the highway, she just tosses it out the window. Yeah. So eventually 911 gets a call 
from, I think, an emergency room person. That's like, there is a man that just came in whose penis has been cut off with a knife. And uh, we oh, need so to... He gets, he go, he so leaves. his friend, by the way, who was sleeping on the couch, eventually he gets up they and was like, you need to drive like, ah! me to the hospital. And so he goes in. He's in obviously a great deal of pain. He's lost a ton of blood. And the doctors contact 911 to see if they can maybe figure out what happened because if they can't locate the penis, right. they're just going to have to do, I can't remember the name of the operation, but there's an operation where they could basically like fix it up and he would just have to pee like a woman, like sit on a toilet there for the rest of his life. And wow. that's kind of the plan at this point. Okay. Lorena goes to her boss's home because she doesn't know who else to turn to. Yeah. And when she gets there, she tells her boss what she's done. And her boss is, says, oh, my God, okay, well, we, you need to call the police. So she actually calls the police. And um, while she informs them of what she's done, she also actually tells them where it is that she or where she was when she threw it out the window. Yeah. So then this huge search, and this is all the media is covering. There's this yes. huge search in this farmland off of a freeway or highway yeah. in Virginia, and they're looking for the penis. They find it. There's a 7-Eleven at, like, the nearest rest ice. stop or whatever. They throw it on some ice. <sighs> they sanitize it. And miraculously, I would say, yeah. they managed to reattach wow. the member yes. and restore it to, like, full functionality. Right. So. I mean, I just wish she would have had this feeling of safety as a woman that someone would believe her that someone was raping and she could just go to the hot. I mean, like for everyone's sake, go to the doctor, not the doctor, sorry, go to the police and be like, I'm being raped. I need help. Right. But you, she clearly didn't feel like she had any other option, Options, but, to, but to do what she did. And so what's kind of wild is so she, after she calls nine one one, she goes to, the hospital as well because she had been victimized. She had been sexually assaulted and beaten. And so she's there basically being checked out for that, giving a statement. And in the same hospital, she doesn't even know this. John is like at the other end of the hospital being operated on and everything's being reattached. So it's just like media mayhem, right? right? He said, she said, this is, I think also one of those, you know, outside of uh, Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill, this was this was like the biggest he said, she said oh, case yeah. of all time. So she says that he abused and raped her for years. Yeah. And he it says... It would have been... Four long, years, right? Yeah. It happened in 90... This incident happened in yeah. June of 93, and they got married in June of 89. Right, and, and she, I, I read that he would just like have sex with her every night. Like, and... Without her permission, Um, one of the things that was so hard to watch when watching this documentary... Well, no, I'm going to pause. I don't want to get to that because I'm going to go chronologically. I'm ready. But basically, they're both being accused of a crime, right? Right. Her of malicious wounding and mutilating him and him of um, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. So they both get charged. And they're both going to get brought to trial. Okay. So it works out that they, or I don't know if the lawyers worked it out or what happened, but basically John Wayne Bobbitt's going to go on trial first. And then after that, Lorena Bobbitt's going to go on trial. So he is brought on trial um, for rape and, and assault. And basically the rules in this trial are, it has to be about him raping and assaulting her the night this happened. They are not allowed to bring in 
anything but like five days prior to the event, which again, obviously really like ties the hands of people. And the prosecutor in John Wayne Bobbitt's case actually ends up being the same prosecutor in Lorena's case. And there's an interesting fact in that that comes up in Lorena's case. But basically this trial goes on, media all the fuck over it. And he is ultimately acquitted of all charges, found not guilty, and off he goes. And as this is all happening, so he gets acquitted. There's big celebration in his camp. He starts making like the late night talk show rounds. He is Howard Stern's favorite fucking person on the planet at this moment. They hold like a fundraiser to pay his medical bills. And it's all very Howard Stern crass-like stuff. So as he is kind of going on his little world tour, they're kind of prepping for her trial. And basically... They that they decide that they're going to present the defense, which is basically a not guilty by reason of insanity, and the insanity is called. Um, it's going to come. It's going to well, come. I have it. It's called like a what's the word when you, impulsive temporary, or temporary insanity? Well, temporary insanity, but yeah. an impulsive act. Oh, basically, like she was driven so crazy by the abuse that she, even though she might have known, like in like intellectually that it was wrong she could not stop herself from severing the main tool that he used to abuse her right so that's a really difficult defense to mount yeah and um they bring in all of these oh hold on so he's off there's a break in all of this which is when he's doing his world tour and all this stuff and then one of the grossest things that i saw in the documentary so her trial is set to start in like mid to late december and everybody, there was no cameras allowed in his trial, but this is going to be an open court. Court TV is big at the time. Basically, they... With her trial? Of her trial. Basically, they so switch They switch the timing of when her trial is going to happen so that it's not happening during the holidays because they know that ratings won't be as high. And I don't know exactly how they have that kind of ability within the, yeah. like the legal system. It's dirty as hell. It's fucking fucked up is what it is. So... Basically, they're like, it couldn't possibly happen during the holidays because people aren't going to be watching TV. They're going to be Christmas shopping, holiday shopping, spending time with their families. Sure. No one's going to watch this. So they push it to January, and it is just like, it's the only thing people are I watching. I think this is why I knew about it. Like, I don't think I knew when it was happening, but I remember I, I remember seeing it on the TV when my parents right. were watching, you know? Because it was everywhere. Like and the thing that's so crazy is that... so. She has been portrayed, and not necessarily even portrayed, but the story that's being told is like crazy woman snaps and chops off husband's penis, claims he abused her. Not a woman who suffered years and years and years of emotional, physical, and sexual abuse finally says no more and gets herself out of this situation once and for all, because yeah. at the very least, because he was never going to be able to rape her again right. after what she did. Right. You know, if you want to think of it from like a mental standpoint of where maybe her brain was. Like she did fix it. She fix fixed the problem. The problem you know? And it was a problem. And so when she is on trial, she is also being hounded. One of the people you mentioned earlier, um, Geraldo Rivera. Yes, yeah. Apparently was like basically stalking her. Like always following her home, chasing her in cars, like trying to film into her house. Ew. And she said to, she just would come home at the end of 
the day from going to trial and she would just like get under her covers and hide and she didn't eat. She just wanted to sleep. She never wanted to see or talk to anybody. And she was just in this really low, dark what, place. Were her family around? Or? So her family, I think, was was brought over to um, support her during the trial. But, yeah. you know, it's I don't know how early on in the process right. it was and how long the, the, the whole trial actually lasted. But um, it is one of those things where the testimony goes on and on. And she is an inc- she is a very convincing witness because she's telling the truth. Yes. <laughs> and John, who in the first trial was acquitted of all charges because it was so specific in so much of like this in this moment when she did it, had he just beaten and raped her was the question. Right. And the truth is, is that she doesn't even because of where she was mentally, she doesn't even really remember what happened that night. And that's part of her defense, obviously, as well. Right. And that's why they go with the... They talk a lot about battered women syndrome, which is a woman who... The definition of self-defense is that your life is in imminent danger. And so in order to save your own life in that moment, you have to kill this other person lest you be killed. And then as more and more people were trying to get this in the forefront, this domestic violence crisis in America to the forefront. They were saying there are women who, who always live in fear, who every right. moment of their life they are convinced could be their last moment. So when they act out, even though in the moment that it happens, he hadn't just hit her. Right. It still counts. We have to like, yeah, but that, that was also incredibly difficult to prove. And most people couldn't, would not win with that defense, which is why they didn't use that one. Oh, they didn't use bad. Okay, I was going to say, syndrome. how did they, they did temporary insanity, and an, I believe it's called impulsive act or like okay. an impulsive something. I hate that I don't remember that. No, 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 it's okay. But anyway, the things that come out in this trial that he put her through are just horrific. The um, emotional abuse. So he would constantly tell her she was stupid, she was ugly, she couldn't speak English. There was a lot of racial stuff that he did where basically insinuated that because she was um, his, because she was Spanish or Hispanic in nature that no one would ever want her. That he could get her deported. But why? Why even marry someone if you're going to be a like a jerk to them all the time? I just don't get it. I, I uh, just don't get I it. I wish like, I got it too. I don't get it either. I, and the thing is, is when you watch what I the documentary that I watch, where I'm getting most of my information, he still claims that he didn't do any of these things. He claims that you know he wasn't a perfect husband, but that he did feel like she married him for a green card, even though that was never part of their agreement. It wasn't part yeah. of it. But he threatened her with that. She, at one point in their marriage, had gotten pregnant and was really excited about it because she did love him, and she thought yeah. maybe this will be the thing sure. that will change everything. Right. And um, instead of being happy about it, he freaked out on her and then forced her to have an abortion. And she was, like, brought up Catholic. So Why? this put her... Because he says, we don't have the money, this and you're a fucking weird. mess, and you'd be a terrible mother. He was, abu- he was a, an abusive yeah. fucking asshole, everybody. Yeah. Like, that's I the mean, long... Like, long story short, yeah. this guy sucked balls, like, yeah. big time. And he did everything under the sun to make her feel as worthless as he possibly could and as helpless in the situation as he possibly could. And she lived that way for years. Yeah, that sucks. And the big... So one of the biggest moments in her trial, because as most as most people know who like to watch lots of true crime stuff like me, proving <laughs> temporary insanity to get away with something criminal is 
almost next to impossible. Really? The, the people just don't believe, they don't believe it. It's yeah. like, mm, you're not full blown crazy all the time. I don't believe that you actually just went crazy in this moment yeah. and cut his penis off. And it was like, you were just crazy that one time. So it's really hard to sell this. And they did, uh, I will say this, I think that, that her defense did a bang up job. They brought in so many witnesses to testify that he was abusive, Great. that people knew about it, neighbors knew about it, friends knew about it. But then the biggest witness, there is this, there was a woman who had gone in to get her nails done like less than a week before this happened. Okay. And she sat down and as, you know, you do when you get your nails done, you yeah. put it in the bowl. She said that she thought her name was Lena. That's what she had written in her like date book. And she said, I must have been calling her Lena, and she never corrected me. But she pulled up her sleeves to start working on her nails, uh-huh. and her like forearms were covered. And not just in like pinch-looking bruises, they wrapped all the way around. Uh-huh. And she, she said that she gasped, and she asked Lorena, what happened to your arms? And Lorena kind of panicked and like, ref- like pulled everything down and then started to kind of hyperventilate. And she said, my husband hurt me. And this woman, and again, man... Avrin, write stuff down. I can't think of her name, but she was huge. She basically... Was she a star witness? She was a star witness, if you will. And what's crazy is that she also talked about, let's call her Carol, just so I have a name for it. I know that's probably not her name, unless subconsciously I held on to that. But basically, Carol was a mother of, I think, three or four kids. She was busy. She wasn't really watching the news. So she had this experience. She told this woman, like, you cannot go home to that. You come home with me. I will help you. Like, whatever. Because it was so clear what was happening. Yes, of course. And she said, I can't leave because he told me if I ever leave him, he will find me and I will never get away. And there's no point in leaving. And if I go with you, he won't only kill me, but he'll kill you. So basically, this woman is unable to convince her to not go home that night and to seek help. Wow. Which is, I think, pretty typical of what is done to a woman in this situation is that she is convinced that nobody will help her. No one can help her. And that her safest recourse is to just stay and hope that things don't get worse. So this woman is watching TV one day. She says her kids are all out. And basically, it's during John's trial. And she sees this like story going on about this case of domestic violence where a woman cut off her husband's penis. And she says, she's like, she looks up and she sees, and it's so cute because in the documentary she goes, and there's Lena, which is what she had thought her name was. Oh no. And she doesn't know what to do because she knows that she knows the truth. truth. She saw this woman. She saw the real fear. She saw the bruises. She knows the truth. So she calls like the courthouse and she's like, who do I talk to? Blah, 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 blah. And um, she gets in touch with the prosecution and the defense. And um, the defense, sorry, the prosecution, who actually was also the prosecutor, like the the A, or that's right, the ADA, right, is the head prosecutor. Law and order does not apparently tell you everything you need to know about how legal stuff works. But basically, he tells this witness to call this forensic psychologist who was one of the witnesses in Lorena's case that Uh was basically arguing against her defense, her insanity defense to tell him the story that she had just told the prosecutor and, um, or sorry, the prosecutor tells the psychologist to call this woman. And she knows this because the psychologist says, this person told me to call you. He goes back. So not only does she testify, 
and tell her story. But then because of this story, the forensic psychologist who had originally said, I don't believe this defense, comes back on and changes his testimony, which made a lot of people think that maybe the prosecutor actually really didn't want her to be convicted, like wanted wanted her to have the best defense possible and like a kind of weird twist, which I thought was good. So at the end of the day, um, Lorena Bobbitt is found not guilty by reason of temporary insanity, but which is wonderful. But what she doesn't realize, and again, I think this comes down to the language barrier. English is not her first language as I'm learning, just trying to tell you this story. Legal jargon is complicated to anyone, you know, who doesn't have legal background. So yeah. if it's also not your first language, it's very difficult to understand what's going on, I can imagine. So what she doesn't realize is that in the state of Virginia, when you are convicted of, or, or when you are not convicted by reason of insanity, you're still required to spend 45 days in a mental institution wow. to be evaluated. And then maybe you don't get to leave depending on what they say. Oh, that's So basically upsetting. you uh, have for, to... Uh, before you said that, I was like, oh, that's not a bad... Therapy's always good. In my mind, I'm like, it'd be good because she probably needed some support sure. and like... Of course, but she in her brain, she's like, they just said I was not guilty. And now she's being taken away in handcuffs like Ooh, to the, to the um, psychiatric facility that she's going to be kept in and, and and basically evaluated for the next right. 45 days. And what she says repeatedly is, I didn't understand when John was found not guilty, he just walked out of the courtroom. So this kind of, this, so it's a victory and, um, it is a victory. And there's yeah. like so many things I want to get into, but then this will be like a seven hour podcast. <laughs> and I know That's nobody okay. wants that. But so many things happened during this trial that I thought were so, so interesting. So one of the big things that like kind of cut media attention from them for a little bit was Tanya Harding and Nance Kerrigan. Oh, right. That went down while her trial was going on. Oh, right. And then another thing that happened is when she was talking about how he would use the threat of having her deported and how no one would love her because she was because he was a racist fuck and would use like where she was from against her as a reason of why she wasn't attractive. There was a group of, there was an ad, like a Hispanic advocate who basically went on a radio show on a, on a Spanish um, radio station Uh and said, if anybody would like to join me there, I'm going to go stand outside the courthouse um, with like to show my, my solidarity for her so that she knows that her, like Hispanic right, brothers American, and sisters are were here for her, and we and, yeah. and hundreds of people showed oh, up, and they great. got there at the beginning of the day. It was winter time; it's January, like I'd said, right. and it's Virginia, so it's you know Burn. it's not it's not California, yeah. Um, so it's cold, <laughs> and they were there every day. Wow. And she actually said that was one of the things that meant the most to her. That was the first time she didn't feel like completely alone. alone. Yeah. And that was just, I just wanted to mention it. Oh, I Because it was just so, it, it was a very touching it's moment. It's very ROM of you. It's very ROM. I'm, I'm trying to give you the light. Thank Vanya. you. So, um, so basically, while she is in um, a psychiatric facility, uh, John is just out there being cray. That's for lack gay? of a better word, yeah. he's being cray. So he went, he did the late night talk show circuit, right? We yeah. talked about that, Howard Stern. Next, of course... He starts a band called Severed Parts. They don't do so well. So clearly it's time to get into porn. Yeah, the porn. And so he does uh, an adult video because the thinking of the producers of this video, he's thinking money because, oh, by the way, 
her, she worked at a nail salon. She was the sole breadwinner for their household. He didn't have a job. Once he left the Marines, he didn't have a job. So she paid for their entire life. You should see my face. I'm just like, Yeah, which is why they had all kinds of financial problems because they had a home with a mortgage. Eventually the house was foreclosed on. Like it was a stressful relationship, but because he was just this fucked hard, basically, for lack of a better word. So um, while she is, you know, now been, she's been acquitted basically, but he is now doing adult um, of an adult video because their whole thinking is everyone in the world wants to see what it looks like. Like, yeah. you know, it got reattached. He keeps saying it still works, but we want him to prove it because yeah. America is a great place. <laughs> um, so he does this video, it does, it does well, but I don't think it does nearly as well as anybody. Like, they have a full blown real premiere party for it, and for the they porno? think it's gonna, yeah, they think it's gonna rival Deep Throat in how much money it makes, doesn't even come close. So basically, he is now, he's like desperate for cash. So he's constantly trying to come up with schemes or like ways. He has this celebrity. He certainly does. Like he's like the most well-known person in the country. I mean, listen, if there were podcasts back then, he could have. Yeah, he could have podcasted away. (laughs) But um, so he decides that he's going to have penis enlargement surgery. And he goes on Howard Stern again, and there's this interview with him and his what? doctor. And he's like, well, you know, he told me that he could make it longer and girthier. And, gross. you know, like, bigger's always better, right? And they're all gross dudes being like, <laughs> Yeah. Well, surprise. Um, this doctor, a couple of, I want to say, within months of John's surgery, which goes horribly awry and actually deforms his penis no. for real this time. Oh, no. Um, this doctor is like thrown out of he's no longer allowed to be a practicing like doctor he's sued for like millions he's from culver city so not far from where we are no. right now the doctor like i think was a california doctor oh. and apparently all of these people who had had this like penis enhancement surgery like it was incredibly painful it deformed many of them and john did not escape without any of the negative repercussions That's when you really wish for yelp Back I mean, in the day. It was the early also, 90s and Yelp didn't exist, but this guy would have had one star. But I have to say, like for me, when we get to these part, this part of the story, and I apologize for my glee because <laughs> I literally was like, so you're telling me that this monster of a man who was just the worst possible husband right. to Lorena, she cuts off his penis yeah. and in an act of fucking divine intervention they find it they reattach it and he's fine and then in his need, his greed and his need to stay in the public eye he basically de- like deforms Doesn't his himself. own penis yeah and it just really tells you you know and then he just has all kinds of problems right, like, like the rest of his life bur- you know burglary charges i mm-hmm. think at some point yeah he goes to jail um for like embezzlement burglary theft also for beating um, his second wife and then oh. a couple of his girlfriends. So anybody yeah. who still has doubts as to whether or not he was actually abusive, yeah. like watch the documentary because the number of women that press charges against him and his whole thing, he always maintains, you know, they use the cops as a weapon. Like if you aren't a good boyfriend to me, like, or you don't pay for everything, I'll just call the cops and say, you did this to me, which nobody does that. I mean, that's just like ignorant. That's like, I mean, like, it's just silly. It's just not not a thing people do. Yeah. So basically, she is getting better. The hospital right. actually does have a good yes. effect on her. She yes. 
basically is taught that she has PTSD and how to deal with it and ways to move forward with her life. Yep. So after 45 days... Healthcare. A mental health care, people. Mental health is health care. Yeah. Mental health is the same as your physical health. It's true. And so she is released and she's free to go after her 45 days. Great. And all she wants, she gets out. They hold a press conference. She makes a cute little joke about how they already brought a McDonald's, so I guess all she has to do now is go to Disneyland. <laughs> and, um, but she just wants to get back to her normal life, which yeah. to her means getting a job and maybe going back to school. Right. Now, of course, it's just not that simple um, yeah, because when you're she's a tabloid sensation. Yeah, yeah. So she really struggles. You know, everyone wants to interview her. And so then yeah. they want to make a TV movie about her. And so she does, she wants to get financially back on her feet as well. Because right. obviously when you are not working for right. however many years this all took to go down, you have bills and you have stuff to do. So yeah. she wants to be able to get back on her feet. And she's offered several like lucrative, you know, TV or motion picture deals. And I think she does make one. But somewhere in there, her boss slash close friend, the one she went to after it happened, was like calling her her manager and all the deals had to go through her or whatever. And basically, she kind of stole some of the money that was supposed to be for Lorena. What? So then Lorena has to cut her off. Her family's there, but they don't know how to help her. So it's like a really rough time for a while for her when she gets out. life for her. Yeah. But she does eventually, one day, she just decides, okay, well, what do I, what do I know? Like, what can, I, what can I do? Yeah. And she s- decides that she's going to start going to women's shelters. <gasps> and she's just going to start telling her, sharing her story and sharing, you know, her survival story. Wow. And that is basically what she has done with the rest of her life. Wow. She is an advocate for um, domestic abuse victims. And she uses her celebrity status to any, you know, there's one clip where she's on the Steve Harvey show. And he's still making the jokes about like, I, I understand why you cut it off, but why'd you take it? And then why'd you throw it out the window? Ha, 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 ha. And she said, you know, I know what I'm getting into when I go on these shows. Right. She goes, but as long as in that moment, while people can still make, like, make a joke of what happened, right. I can shine a big fat spotlight on domestic violence violence and what an issue it is and it continues to be in this country she's and then it's worth it right so that's what she's doing with her life good job yes good job Lorena and John Bobbitt is still around um the in the documentary it looks like he lives in Vegas and he's a big Trump supporter right and he does write her letters all the time and says that them getting back together would be the ultimate love story and think of all the money they would make because that would be the, the truest story of love and forgiveness. Yeah, I'm and she's right now. And she's remarried to a very kind man oh, and she's found happiness and she is she's she is thriving. Did she have any kids? I don't think so. Yeah, don't or think if she, she did. did, they did not include them well, that's good. in the documentary. I, I have a feeling that they didn't, but it's not, it makes me sad because it seemed like she wanted them. So, Well, I mean, my God, just like what a fucking asshole was yeah. this guy. Yeah. Like, aren't there rules about that? How well, you, you know what it is? Someone like, to do that? I norm. I like to do the research on the people and I, you know, their upbringing. But right. I wonder what was his upbringing. Like, he maybe saw his father beat his mother. Yes, that's true. That know. happened. Um, his mother had a psychotic break at some point, so um, he lived with his aunt and uncle. Yeah, he li- he was raised in a house with six boys, which I'm not saying will turn you into. No, um, definitely, not. A, definitely a, not. Not even a little bit. But I I feel like it was an unstable family life. 
he grew up maybe in like a super hyper masculine house. If you only see people objectifying and like and beating beating women, then that's all you. Then that's what you know. And that again is why mental health is super important. Yeah, because you can change. It doesn't have to be the way. If there's a guy listening right now and he's like, you know, I can't stop beating my lady. Stop. Go to the get help. Go to the get help. Yeah. Um, that's so crazy. I, it's, know. I mean, I have to say, okay, so thank you for like making this our first one. I <laughs> feel welcome. like I'm okay. I hope, I hope I didn't terrify you no, too no, no. much. Uh, not at all. It's, you know, it's a little like, I it's, like to call it dark. butthole pork puckering. Yeah. Like when things are really upsetting, my booty hole goes. Right, right. And that's like what I've done to you. It's like being close to a, like a, the edge of a really high build in a, right. a building. It's the idea of someone cutting a penis off. I'm like, oh, it's fine. Even though I don't have one, it makes my butthole Sure, pucker. sure. It makes you kind of cross your legs a little. Yeah. Isn't that weird? No, not at all. Um, but I also think, you know, sometimes I worry, like, why am I so into these kinds of stories? Right. And then I guess the best way to explain it for me, when I think about why I'm fascinated by true yeah. crime and why I just can't seem to get enough of these stories... Yeah is it's like, you know, people prepare for the zombie apocalypse by, like, planning their route and, like, knowing what cabin in the woods they're going to go to. For me, I feel like the more I read about this stuff, the more that if I ever find myself in a situation where a crime was going to be committed against me, somehow I'd be more prepared. You know what? That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, Oprah always says, uh, never let them take you to the second location. That's right. Yes, she does. And I actually, I have a story about Oprah talking to me in my head. Oh, really? Yeah. About the second location? Yes. Okay. Because, so, I mean, I guess I'm too naive. It was 11 a.m. I was taking a run. And, um, you know, it, it was light outside and it was... It was 11 a.m. It was 11 a.m. I guess there's a lot more PM. I have to tell, tell yeah. but I was like, I'm going to run, I'm going to da-da-da. And I'm running and I, I usually go down one main street, but there's always like strollers and craziness. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to... This is in New York. I, we used to live... Uh, by yeah, the way, Avril and I used to live in New York together. Yes, we did. And now we live in Los Angeles. I know. It's so <laughs> exciting. I'm just so hashtag blessed. It makes me happy. Um, so I'm, I am I take a small, like a tiny street that's actually a beautiful little street to run down. And I see like two figures in the in the distance. And um, my instinct, like my fear is like something's wrong, something's off. You know, like right. the hairs on the back of my neck just like stood. Right, your gut is talking to you. It's, my gut is talking to me. And I didn't, I ignored my fear gut, whatever. Right. And I said, I'm not going to hurt these people's feelings. You know, right, men, that's, we're I don't so want them, these men to think I'm scared of them or, or whatever. profiling them in Yeah, some or whatever, way. you know. So I, so I don't cross the street or don't turn around. I just run through. Because it means I have to run through both, between right. both of them. And I get grabbed by one guy. That's so scary. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. I mean, it all happens so fast. It's It happens so fast and also in such slow motion. Right. And I'm like struggling in slow motion, you know, to kind of get away, but like kind of just in shock. And then all of a sudden the little, there was a littler one. Mm-hmm. I think they were like probably 18. I mean, they were not that old, but I think they were on drugs. There was something, right. off, there was like it's something crazy happening. Like, why? And they were trying to drag me into a basement apartment. Oh my God. And they Vanya. didn't want my money. Mm. I know. I know. It's crazy. So anyways, the little guy says, I don't know, man. I don't think we should do it, man. Oh, God. And Which I'm is like, the moment that your brain is like, oh, yeah. there's an it. Well, there's that's an what it. I was like, what the? Who are you yeah. gonna? So like, what are you going to do? I literally 
heard, not really, but I, Oprah's voice in my head go, never let them take you to the second location. And I was like, what? And I did, a, I don't know, I, I'm pretty sure like I wriggled out and I kicked the guy in the chest with my like foot. Like I could, I like chopped him and the, the little guy didn't even try to get me. Right. The big guy was like, I'm going to kill you, bitch. And I went on my run. And yeah, so Holy um, shit. But like preparedness in the way that like hearing these stories, it is a good idea. Or hearing like someone like Oprah like give saying, you really you know, important advice. Because right. I'll tell you, in a completely different, not at all related type of story, I also have a very large part of my life, or something that imprinted on me very young, was something that Oprah taught my mom, which uh-huh. was also the never let them take you to the second location. So How long has Oprah been toting this story? 25 years. Wow. Well, that's, I think she did, I think her show was on for 25 years. Thank so you, Oprah. We were, thank you, Oprah. We I mean, really, you. she did save me. Because I think I would have just been like, uh. Like, what do you guys want? I'll give it to you. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, we would literally drive to like Little Caesars Pizza. All right. <laughs> so this is like the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Little Caesars whole the deal is, you know, it's two for five dollars and it's ready in five and you're minutes. Super young at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was maybe eight years old. Okay. <laughs> so we would go in the car and my mom, we would like pull up to the Little Caesars Pizza. Right. I remember that. That was like pizza you know, pizza. Pizza, pizza. So good. That was like, you know, maybe a 10, the door, like the car door to the front door, which then you know how deep a little Caesar's pizza is. It's yeah. not so deep. No. Um, and we called ahead, so the pizza was clearly waiting for us. But every time, without fail, my mom would always say to me, okay, just getting ready to go in to get the pizza. If anyone should come up to this car while I'm in there and point a gun at the window and tell you to open up and let them in, you just say, no, you can shoot me right here because I'm not going anywhere with you. And I just remember being like, should I just come in with you though? Like, why, why, why am I gonna be basically attempt to be like kidnapped, hijacked and kidnapped? You're gonna be gone for three minutes, but if it's that big of a worry, like take me with you, mom. Take and me inside. I know your mom and that cracks me up so hard. But it's just so funny because her whole thing was Oprah says, you you just tell them. So say you're walking to your car after you after you leave the mall, and some guy's like pulls a gun and is like, "Get into right this car." You just scream at the top of your lungs, "Just shoot me, motherfucker!" I'm not going anywhere with you because if you do go, odds are the same. They're gonna shoot right, you, but dead. they're gonna do That's worse things point. to you first. That's the whole Oprah thing is like yeah. if you go to the second location, you're right. dead. So you're like, dead. If you ask them to kill you there, you're dead. But I mean, if you go with them, they're gonna do other things before you're dead. So you know what? I understand because I have a I have a six year old daughter. And I have, an, I have a two-year-old son, and I understand wanting to keep them safe, but that's, like, yeah. extreme, you I mean, know? I'm thinking, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe, don't be mad, Mom, but that my obsession with true crime might be from some of what you did as a parent <laughs> in terms of making me convinced that I needed to be prepared. I think that you and I just went the opposite ways, you know, like... We, you're like, I'm going to be prepared, and I'm like, I'm going to deny, and right. I'm going to be under a rock and pretend like everything's Like nothing great. like this happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why we're such a dynamic duo. Guys, Mania. thank you for listening, because this yeah. is exciting. I we can't wait excited. to go on this journey. I know, and I can't wait. I'm I'm excited for when Banya yes. takes me on a, on a, a romantic crime walk through. I will. going to do it. Thank gonna, you for letting me share ugly things with you. And it's fine. 
and helping me find some lightness. But I feel safe with you, and I appreciate that. Well, I thank you. I feel safe with you, too. Yeah. And um, to everybody who's listening, woo, we did it. We did our first one. If you wouldn't mind, if you liked what you heard, um, rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, please. It helps out. We also have... um, an email address. Yep. So romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Yep. We love suggestions. If yep. there is a romantic crime. You can DM us. That DM us on Facebook us to too, talk but about. Yes. Yeah. We also have, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have it all. You can find us Good all us. over the interwebs. It's true. Um, but please engage. And also just tell a friend. Like, really, we're out to in- let me entertain you. <laughs> but yeah, just like... Uh, and inform you. And inform you, but like, in a safe way. Like Oprah informed all of yeah. us. So they, Oprah, <laughs> this episode, our podcast is sponsored by Oprah. Yeah. No, but we love Oprah. And mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things, I think, are why this subject matter is so fascinating to so many. Because yeah. you really do learn so much about one, like human nature, and right. then two, also maybe how to navigate it and survive. Yep. And guys, you're about to hear it again, but our uh, our rom crime theme song, Miss Avrin sings it. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. She <laughs> does. She's a singer, and I will have it in my head for the rest of my life. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.